says, get that India, big boy. Boys and ladies, hope you're all doing well on this fine day. As always, this is John, aka 4020, coming to you here from the editing booth with a brief message to let you know that we ended up cutting this behemoth of a collaborative podcast in two. Part one features Natasha Gale, Harold Matthews and SG Bohr, which is this episode obviously, while part two is dedicated to the Jersey flag and any outstanding young talent in the top 30 or on any other sort of senior contract at Parramatta, and that episode will drop in the coming days. I hope everyone enjoys our in-depth ramblings on our junior pathways. And I do apologize beforehand for the scuffed nature of 60s mic at times. That is something we are looking to remedy in the very near future. Regardless, I still hope you guys enjoy this podcast. But that's enough from me from the editing booth. It's bigger than Ben-Hur. It's uh, more ambitious than anything the Marvel Cinematic Universe has to offer when it comes to a crossover. It's the Para Podcast and TCT coming together to talk all things juniors in 2021. Boys, this is something big, something special. How you doing? Good. Feeling good, good mate. I'm feeling nervous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can I, can I talk crap about Tigers in this or not? Oh, mate, no, uh, about no, no, true. But it would not be any sort of para podcast without Birdie getting at least, at least one shot on the Tigers. So um, let, let's get into introductions. And unfortunately, Hamish can't join us today because our glorious leader on the para podcast has... um done his duty as a dad and picked up the flu off his kids, so we wish him a speedy recovery there. But um, joining the para-podcast side of things, as always, is Bertie. How's it going, lads? Good man. And Ham? Yep. <laughs> and classic one-word fashion, I love it. Yep. <laughs> and bringing the heat from the TCT side of things is my favourite collaborator on that um, on our website, and that's 60s. Mate, how you doing? You know my name. Look up the number. <laughs> oh, we've got a catchphrase now. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm borrowing heavily, of course, from the Beatles, but there we go. <laughs> That's some Ron Burgundy tier stuff right there, mate, with the um, the Anchorman one-liners. Stay classy, San Diego. But um, yeah, so let's get into it, boys. We've got a lot to talk about this um, particular episode because we've got squad after squad after squad, and we've even got notable omissions. That's how big it is. So let's start with a, a squad that I think that not many of us are going to have a great idea about, but it is a squad that is trending upwards for the Eels, and that's the Tasha Gale girls. Um, and they've been building nicely over the last couple of years. And I think they've actually changed things up this year, if I'm not mistaken, Ham and 60s. They did a, a massive sort of athletic combine almost um, this year for the Tasha Gales. I think they had over 40 girls trial, and then they uh, picked squads based on athletic testing given the COVID restrictions. So from that... We ended up with a, oh goodness, where's my list gone? Um, how many players is that? Sorry, I'm just looking there. Three. Yeah, just well, basically that, um, what we're ta- what we're talking about there oops. is they've they've had real, they seem to have had a greater uh, selection battle. Yeah, the, and I think we're looking at a, a 25 together. or 26 lady squad, um, which yep. is uh, very sizable. And I think, like Sixers was just saying, it's a reflection of the rising popularity of the uh, code for the ladies out west. And I think that comes on the back of the which which Western Sydney club is it that's been the most successful, or experienced the most growth? Uh, uh, Toon Gabby. Toon Gabby. That's yeah. right. Yep. So it's sort of positioning the Parramatta Eels to 
move on to bigger things when it comes to the ladies' uh, side of things. And I think there was an expression of interest for a NRLW team uh, lodged by the Eels, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So awesome platform, and it's all coming from the Tasha Gale squad. So, um, Ham, you want to start walking us through that squad if you want, mate? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so, first I've got Chelsea Austin, Summer Brown, Kristen Cawthorn. Oh, and if I butcher some of yeah, these names. No, no disrespect. If we, if we do manage to mangle any of your names, girls, we um, we don't mean anything disrespectful by any means. Uh, then we go on with Martha Fua, Amina Kanj, Danielle Keller, Ruby Jane Kennard, Taimani Kolomaka, Rosalia Leah. Tamara Liati, Lorene Lua Manuvei. Uh, 40 has put me on the spot here because I've not looked at any of these <laughs> names. Um, Larijo Kacha, N Masami, Hannah McFadden, Quinn McVay, Losalio Payne, Demia Pritchard, Talisha Pugh, Eloisa Seve, Summer Terare, Hope Tavanga, Jade to- Jada Tovai, sorry, um, Leah, Leah Lani Tua. Jacinta Tui, Shanna Vakai, and Catalina Vave. Very good. Um, so the girls are building on a 2020 season, which never really got off the ground after the COVID-19 uh, sort of pandemic broke out. And in that season, they played six games for one win and one draw, and then unfortunately four losses. But in 2019, they actually made the top five, got into the finals with a, a six-win effort on a nine-game season. So there's been a bit of consistency there for the girls after those initial uh, struggles in the Tasha Gale, and it's going to be something for them to build on, and it's going to be interesting to see how much the, that rise in interest for their trials reflects on the uh, level of competition within the squad. So we're hoping for big things from the girls this year, aren't we? A hundred percent. I think there was a, a video on paramatterpareels.com uh, where it was uh, Joey Grimer was talking about the Tasha Gale, and um, yeah, just the participation numbers have increased tenfold there, so... You know, these extra girls bring, you know, um, whether they've come from touch football, um, little athletics, there's already a, ba- a base skill level there. So, um, yeah. yeah Le- League is doing a fantastic job of drawing upon all these different playing pools. We've seen um, most recently Rugby Union sort of dabble its or girls on the Rugby Union side of things dabble their toes into Rugby League. And the um, NRLW this year was excellent and the Origin game was outstanding. So the, the quality of the product is getting better every year. And what, you know, we've spoken about it um, on and off the podcast, Ham, but we're really looking forward to that NRLW expanding its competition, not just with more teams, but more rounds, because the quality of play has been really, really fun to watch. Oh, 100%, you know. We, if it, if Parramatta's um, participation numbers have increased uh, year on year, I imagine every uh, district has done the same there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to maybe just you know, taking things slow at the time. I think the NRL have actually done pretty well with the NRLW. The yeah, not not trying teams. to brute force it and, and make things happen when there's not enough uh, player pool or player talent there and they've just done yeah. the right thing and, and slow cooked it, as yeah, so, um, Amish would love. I think, I think that's an important point that you made about slow cooking it, but they're really getting to the stage, however, where they need that little bit of expansion and something beyond a what is I don't want this thing out the wrong way, but when it's played between four teams in the semi-final series, it starts to get to looking a little bit like an exhibition tournament rather than a premiership. And I think once it expands to six teams, then they start maybe having 
uh, two rounds of it. I, I know there are probably logistical issues around that, um, maybe some cost issues, but this has the potential to be the most exciting women's sport in the world to watch. And Absolutely. I think they've done the right thing in the slow approach, but they have to be very, very close to being able to expand because I think it needs to. I think it needs to stand on its own two legs. And I think there's enough uh, recognition and respect for how the women are playing the game that it can start to stand on its own. And uh, it's, I, I think they've, they've got to be very, very close to that expansion time right now. Good point. of the old Four Nations, you know, the men. We yeah, yeah, it's, that's actually a great, great uh, reference point there, Bertie, where you have the four teams, and yes, it's good to watch the footy, but when you've got four teams, so you can pick out who's going to win within like the first round or so. So the downfall, the downfall, the last two years has been that the grand final has been decided after only two rounds. Yeah, yes. So the third, the third round, the third weekend of matches were dead rubbers in in essence when it came to deciding who was playing in their grand there, final. There was an argument that they could have pushed for a double round robin format with those four teams to at least get, you know, play each team twice and then get a better seating. But yeah, so it's something they're going to be working on the coming seasons though. Um, I think, are they expanding by two teams in RLW this year? Look, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that as yet. Cause I know, the, I know the Titans put an expression of interest, uh, but I'm not sure what the actual outlook of it is, but something yeah, to, something yeah. to monitor for sure. I think if you if you're looking at an expression of interest, are you are you looking at the next year or the year after? That that's that's the question. What, what's, the, what's the timeline to get your frame, the framework for your competition or your team set up? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the goal for the Eels is to be able to play their NRW matches at Kellyville. So they're yes, looking that, at the that, that is the outcome they're looking there. for. Yes, so yeah, they're looking to amongst the number of other grades, but highlighted by the. The, the girls for sure. All right. So yep. we'll, we'll keep on top of the Tasha Gal as the season progresses in 2021. But for now, let's move on to the, the uh, youngest level of uh, district or junior representatives for the boys. And that would be the Harold Matthews. Um, now, I think it's worth mentioning that the Eels have uh, dissolved their, their country teams, haven't they, boys? There is no, no longer a Correct. Johns or Daly squad that will be supplementing yep, the right. two junior um, structures. Instead, they've expanded their junior rosters into a North and South Parramatta, and <clears throat> that allows them to have greater intra-squad uh, competitiveness inside the district. And um, the result of that means that they've picked the following Harold Matthews team. Uh, we've, um, starting off with Afanga Mino. You've got Blaze Talangi, uh, Shabel Shahadi, uh, Ham's boy Charlie Geimer, and he'll be one of the halves there, uh, Cody Parry, Cooper Sinclair, Declan Murray, Dom Bastratus, Ethan Sanders, one of my favourite names of, in a long time, Genesis Tuagi Sayala, um, Jacob John, Josh Alzahim, Josh Lialoto, uh, Kobe Herford, Lachlan Galvin, Michael Gabriel, Miles Martin, Patrick Spence, uh, Raphael Destratus, uh, Sam Tuavadi, Saxon Pryke, Suliasi Aho, uh, Terence Lafay, Tyrese Lokeni, and Yaya Ayachi. So there's um, some familiar names there for Ham and myself. Um, there's some new names in there as well. But it's an interesting squad. Now, the Harold Matthews, once again, referring to that uh, abbreviated 2020 season, actually finished second on the ladder on points differential. Um, they equaled the Dogs with uh, five wins, 
uh, but the Dogs did have a game in hand. So they were five wins from six starts, uh, uh, differential of 64, positive 64, obviously. So they had a fantastic start to the 2020 season before it all unraveled beyond their control. Um, Ham, who's the first player you want to talk about when you look at this squad? Um, I know you point out Charlie Geimer as my boy because I thought he had a very good. Um, there, there is another half that you do you do like as well. I know that. Um, sort another of, half. I was going to say a, more of a lock. Miles oh Martin. well, yeah. I, I thought before you were going with the halves, there was another. You like Ethan Sanders too, from what you saw in 2020. But I know Miles Martin is the number one guy for you. I didn't want to. Didn't want to. <laughs> if I started, I would have um, sidetracked the actual squad list too much. <laughs> All good. Um, but yeah, I can talk about Charlie Geimer. Um, you know, he's a kid from Tamora. Um, we brought him in early this year. Um, he was a bit bit hot and cold. In, yeah, you know, there was, was streakiness to um, to his form early on, for sure. But yeah, I, those two games I saw of him in the, in the schoolboys, I just thought um, he'd, he'd grown in confidence. He was playing for uh, St. Greg Campbelltown. Much more decisive and aggressive in his shot calling as well. 100%. And just his uh, level of passing, like, I, I've, I said it before on the Para podcast, but the, just the silkiness and the ease of the way that he was throwing long cutout passes, um, just spiral balls, hitting short balls, it really reminded me of um, the way Tim Smith used to play and the way Tim Smith, um, yeah, just the way he had eyes, you know, the way he was able to keep his head up and everything. So, you know, I'm probably putting too much pressure on the young fella, but um, that's just <laughs> the way I saw it there. Now, um, 60s, you saw probably saw more of the Andrew Johns in 2020 than you did of the actual Harold Matthews, given that you were moonlighting as a commentator. Um, yeah. Any names there seem familiar when they come to the sort of amalgamated squads? That's probably a, a fair statement because I did see a bit of the uh, Andrew Johns and Laurie Daly Cup this earlier this year uh, as part of the live streaming service that they provided on the New South Wales Rugby League. So, yes, I was out there on the colour commentary. It was a bit of fun, I will say. <laughs> uh, so there are a few names that I've noted down. Blaze Talagi, I think he will compete for uh, one of the halves positions. He was a standout for me in the Andrew Johns Cup. And uh, Kobe Herford, who's back rower, I uh, I thought he was uh, someone that could have easily pushed up into the uh, Mats team last year. And then there's a player that we saw a little bit of for Westfields in the Schoolboy Cup. And he was one of the standouts in the Laurie Daly, and that was Cooper Sinclair. And he's quite young, so he was he was out on the wing for Westfield, but he was playing in the centres mm-hmm. for uh, the uh, Andrew Johns Cup team. And very tall, lanky. He was an awkward conveyance for the opposition teams to tackle. <laughs> so uh, just having someone at that, 15, 16 years of age, who was as tall as him out in the back line, he, when he was getting the ball near the trial line, he was just very difficult to hold out. Uh, likewise, uh, at uh, Hamish, I nominated Miles Martin as. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to Miles in a sec because Hamish is going to gush about Eminem <laughs> at at length. Um, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm potentially. I'm potentially embarrassed on on Ham's behalf at uh, just how much he might gush. So, just before yeah. we do talk about Miles, I just want to talk about Kobe Herford there, um, 60s. 
Um, yep. I know he's a year young for this. Yeah. So he was 15 this year and 16. Bear, bearing, just for our listeners, a reminder that they have bumped up the age brackets for each of these groups by one year because of the yeah. lost year of development. So formerly under-16s, Matthews is now under-17s, Ball is under-19s, and Jersey Flegg is under-21s. Sorry, Ham. No, all good, all good. Um, He was the captain there for a few games, wasn't he? Oh, look, uh, to be honest, I, off I the top of my head, I think he might have had the C I next to his name. I, I do yeah. recall some team lists where he might have had the C there, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, he, I think he played a, a couple of games off the bench just before the um, just before the COVID-19 pandemic uh, hit. So, you know, that there's some high hopes for young Kobe and, um, you know, I think it shows that they've got trust in him for, you know, he could potentially be a, a bench prop being a year young. Um, we don't really seem to play uh, players a year young in this grade unless they're something special. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the last ones was um, uh, Trey Mooney, who's now at the Canberra Raiders. So that goes to show you the sort of level of talent. Um, you know, if we're putting faith in a 15, now 16-year-old to be playing up in Harold Matthews. Absolutely. Now, um, before we jump onto the Miles Martin hype, um, hype train, um, 60 sort of touched on it tangentially, but I think that the back line is going to be a real strength for this Matthews squad. Um, we already talked about Cooper Sinclair, but uh, Declan Murray was an absolute standout for what I saw in 2020. He was um, almost unstoppable as yes, a... As a left centre, I want to say. But I think he played both sides at points during the season. But um, I think Cody Parry had the right centre when he was healthy. And he was, he's another good talent too, Cody, um, being the younger um, younger brother of uh, one-time Eel, Ethan. But um, Declan was a real standout. Uh, great frame, athletic, uh, very good for the ball in hand. Defended quite well too. So, defensively, he was very strong. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really, uh, really good prospect to, there too. And I think the Ford Pack's got a few question marks over it in terms of uh, prominent members. I mean, I, I joked about his name being fantastic, but I thought Genesis was pretty good for us in the six or so games that we saw in 2020. Um, and he was like one of our better starting forwards. So if they can lay the platform, it's going to be a, a big, you know, big positive for the team. And it's I going think to, you're also missing out on the two big wingers we had there. Um, yeah, well, Arsuliasi Aho, who, who garnered a little bit of hype in the Daily Telegraph. I don't know how he managed to... Wrangle that one up, but he's a big boy, 192 centimetres, 94 kilos, if I recall correctly. Obviously growing into that frame, given that he was only 15 or 16 years of age. Um, but he managed to get a little spotlight in the Daily Telegraph. He's a big boy. And Ham, you want to shout out your other winger? Oh, Joshua Lealea Lotto. Yep. Um, yeah, again, another big winger. Really worked, worked uh, wrapped the ball out well there. Um, so, yeah, that back line for the Harold Matthews. Absolute strength for the team, isn't it? Two to five is just big, strong. Um, very, and good football players too. Not just very good athletes, good football players as well. That's been one of the calling cards of the young backs that have been coming through the reps in the last couple of years. And we'll get to him later, but there's a, a, a Jersey flag winger that's very popular with both TCT and the Para podcast. I know he's um, Hamish's favourite, the absent Hamish's favourite player in the um, squad. So we'll, we'll talk about um, football intelligence and wingers, which seems to be an oxymoron these days, but there's a few of them floating around in the ranks, which is awesome. All right, boys, we've, um, we've managed to waffle on about props and, and backline and whatnot. Let's get to the main course in the Harold Matthews. Ham, 60s, you want to talk about Miles Martin? I would 60 start off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that you've got a player there who was uh, pushing into the Blacktown uh, St. Pat's team, I know he didn't feature in the, in the final or the semi-final, but he's there mixing it with 18-year-olds. 
this year and, as a measure measure of his toughness. Borderline NRL talent at the, at that point in some of those squads. Yes, yeah, that's right. So you've got you've got players in those, as you said, in those squads who are going to be doing NRL preseason. So he's mixing it in with that. And look, I think I think he's an outstanding. Ta- he just looks he looks like a footballer, doesn't he? Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything about the way that he plays, there's there's certain players who you just look at them and you just go, they're a footballer. And whether it's the physicality, whether it's a football intelligence, I, I think he's got, I think he's got the the uh, physicality and the intelligence covered as a young bloke. Of course, as you progress through these ages, we've seen so many instances where there are players who look like they're going to be the goods, but they don't go on with it for various reasons. Because as we know, that journey towards being a professional footballer has many hurdles for them to overcome. So many that are the difference between a player that makes it and a player that doesn't make it. It's a, it's a minor difference when it comes to ability. And it's all about dedication, willingness to sacrifice just that, uh, that little extra, push that they that they managed to get internally as well but um he's certainly got all the building blocks to be a player that we will be watching coming through the ranks that's for certain 100 percent. i just want to touch on his um football intelligence i was i believe it was a trial match against the bulldogs is when i first no yeah it was one of the first times i saw him and um the dog scored and Parramatta were kicking off and usually the fullback or one of the halves kick off. Miles grabbed the ball, put the ball on the on the tee on a weird angle and kicked off and the ball would not have left shoulder height. But it was just the way the ball was floating in the air, the speed of the ball and everything. And the dogs fumbled it and I thought, you know, for a lock. The old knuckleball kickoff. Yeah, knuckleball kickoff or, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, in, in a trial match when he's from, uh, I think he's from Bathurst. For him to have the confidence to do that and then also be able to pull it off, um, yeah, just intelligent, smart, heads-up play. And, um, you know, as 60 said, there's a long way uh, to first grade and um, these kids are only 16, 17, so uh, even longer than a lot of other players. So, um, yeah, you um, know. The big, the big thing with Miles is that, A, he's got that rangy frame that he's going to grow into, good height, broad shoulders, you know, a bit on the skinny side at the moment, but with, you know, sort of getting older and being able to have access to full-time training, he will grow into that frame. Um, got great tools on both sides of the ball. Defends really willingly. Got a really solid offload. Great work rate. So he just ticks all the boxes. Um, you know, he's a borderline blue chip prospect in that regard. You know, just does everything really well. And that's what you love to see in a, a lock forward. All right, boys. Um, we've gone through most notable players and, you know, obviously there's a lot more players that could have a great season in that team. You know, you don't make junior reps by accident at Parramatta. But um, given what we've said and what we've seen, what do you think the prospects are for the Harold Matthews in 2021? I think there's actually some confidence around the squad, the strength of the squad. And given their performance last year and that there's returnees in that in that squad, you'd have to say that they would be aiming for a, a top four finish. Of course, when we're saying this, we have to keep in mind that the ultimate goal is for the club to be 
producing football as not necessarily winning titles. There is, and it, it sounds silly, level. but there is a marked difference because you can coach and develop to dominate juniors or you can coach and develop to develop the players for long term. And yeah. they, they can produce stridently different results. And I think if you look back at Parramatta's recent history, the 2014 Holden Cup squad really jumps out as a team that were coached to dominate the Holden Cup, not develop first graders. And you know, yeah. eventually we did get Ryan Madison come back out of that to be an integral part of the NRL team. But he had to walk a long road to get back to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, they've certainly got the, the strength within the squad that they would be aiming to feature in the top four for the Harold Matthews. But as I said, I'd like to think that there's a few players and you highlighted that backline strength that, uh, and and obviously a couple of the forwards there that we'd like to see progress through the ranks and become good footballers. So that's my, anyway, that's my take on it. I, I think there's, I think there's very, very good prospects here. I think it's a strong squad. All right, Ham, 60s are set the bar at top four. You going higher or lower? Um, I'm sticking with that. I was actually thinking that exactly the same uh, sentiments as you were asking the question, 260s. Um, I think the dogs are very, you know, what what they did pre-COVID in the Harold Matthews, they've got a very strong player. Yeah, very good team. And, um, Paul Alamotti, who's, you know, I think he's a centre. He's big, fast, kicks goals. He's, you know, all the talk at the moment around Joseph Suwali, this kid is, you know, just as big, just as strong. I think he'll be one for the dogs in the future. Um, but given, you know, He's only one player. I'm not sure about the rest of the um, dogs team, but you know what I've seen little of these uh, young men. I think they're a good, strong team. A um, few deficiencies, which could have been worked out over the COVID break. Um, a few of them have played uh, schoolboy footy, especially at a young age, um, which puts them in good stead. I think a top four finish um, with an eye for the title, if I can say it that way. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, being a Parramatta Junior uh, team, uh, top four, uh, given we want to be looking for f- developing for first grade, um, you still want them sort of being professional in these competitions. And yeah. So I think a professional finish for a club like Parramatta, for the Parramatta Eels, is top four with an eye to the premiership there. Yeah, I think that internally, and this is without any sort of reference, I think the club will be set in top four as a pass mark. I think given what they saw in 2020 and given that there's been another 12 months of development for these kids, they'll be looking to you know build on that. And if the Ford Pack can really consolidate and, and coalesce into something really strong, or not even just strong but functional, I think they'll be looking at the minor premiership, if not the title itself, as a realistic outcome. So it's going to be exciting to watch. It is worth mentioning, Ham did, did talk about the Bulldogs. Um, they got a lot of hype prior to the 2020 season and there was a lot of talk about how they assembled a really good team. And they backed it up with a, a you know five from five start, so they're really looking like the sort of other front runners in the comp. But um, you can always expect the Panthers to turn up pretty strongly in the juniors. Manly got some good kids out there as well, um, and then you know there could always be a bolter from the blue when it comes to a you know a sort of rejinxed competition where the ages get bumped up. So yeah, another interesting run for the Eels, and they'll be looking for a good result in the Matthews. All right, boys. So we've wrapped up the sixth. Or I was about to say wrapped up the sixteens. We've wrapped up the under seventeens. Old habits are hard to break. Let's move on to the under-19s, the SG ball. Um, starting off with a couple of Bailey's, but spelled differently. We've got Bailey B-A-I, uh, Bailey Nuruddin, 
followed by Bailey Cox for B-A-Y-L-E-Y. So I've never actually seen two different Baileys in the same squad. There you go. I've seen both. I've seen a Bailey or a Bailey, but I've never seen a Bailey Bailey. Imagine um, if they were Bailey Brailies. <laughs> the long lost Brailey brother. <laughs> but yes, so Bailey Nordin um, leads off the Ashley Ball squad, followed by Bailey Cox. Blake Martin, who was elder brother of Miles, if I'm not mistaken, is the third man off the rank. David Lange, Desi Ricchetti, Drew Lloyd, or Lloyd, Francis Tuitino, Freeman Forsyth, Gabriel Calache, Jalen De Groot, Jock Brazel, Josh Chappell, uh, Josh Liffey, Junior Wright, Keanu Wright Dunrobin, uh, Kalen Bray, Covey Lemesu, uh, sorry, Covey, forgot that wrong, uh, Kylan Mafoa, uh, Big Larry, Larry Mwagu Tutia, and then we've got a new face in uh, Maui J. Townsend. Max Tupo, Nicholas Lenaz, Spencer Tuala, Taylor Moala, and Vlado Yankovic. So once again, we've got returning names there that I can spy straight off the off the cab. Got a couple of new faces. I already pointed out one in Maui J. Townsend. Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to say it, it's a relatively weak SG Ball squad because a lot of players that would be eligible for SG Ball are being promoted to the jersey flag, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, very much so. Uh, all those players that we uh, noted that are in the that played in that schoolboy cup that haven't been named in the SG ball team but we know uh, oh, sorry haven't been named even some of them haven't even been named in the flag squad so you can imagine how the, the strength of, the, of the, the two squads or the the admission squad and the um, flag squad exactly so if they actually correct, drew on all the talent for the ball there's no doubt they could put together a monstrous team but we already talked about it. You're thinking about long-term development rather than short-term results. That's right. If you if if the club was interested in winning an SG Ball Premiership and that that was their goal, they could stack this team. Oh, it's, it would be uh, a very good team. <laughs> it, it, it would it would be insane what the what the team would look like. However, the other side of the coin is this does give an opportunity for some young blokes who might have been fringe or uh, not uh, or would not have made the squad to show their wares in uh, you know more uh, getting more game time for the SG ball this season so I think that's I think it's a, it's an interesting opportunity that they have can I just also ask I, I did see I, I don't know too much about Marley J Townsend and I noted that he'd also been named yeah he's, he's named across the two squads flag and ball so um what I could gather he joins us via the Newcastle Knights and he's got experience both center and wing and I think it was named one of the indigenous teams as a 16 year old um the rep squad so a little bit of rep pedigree there um I haven't really haven't had a chance to look at him though because the Newcastle catchment of players is just so far removed from our uh, I know that we play him, you know, once a year, but it's so far removed from any chance of seeing them regularly. So he's an interesting one to watch. So not really sure where he fits in across the two squads. Yeah, just and interestingly as well, I, I am seeing a few names there that were part of the Laurie Daly Cup. Yeah, uh, probably year. headlined by um, Big Bad David Lange. Who um yes. was um quite a quite a good prospect in the Laurie Dowie and has been a guy that's been on the radar for TCT and Hamish for a while. Um, he's got all the physical tools and just needs to find the consistency. But he had a good campaign last year or last year last season this year. Yeah, and uh, also uh, Desi Rakiti, who in the 
the matches that I saw him play in the Laurie Daly Cup last year, he was playing at 5'8", but he is a rather big unit who's probably yeah. more of a back rower than he is a half and uh, but he's got the he's got the skills there so I, I think he's a, an interesting inclusion and uh, especially where they decide to play him and you mentioned Blake Martin before he was part of the Laurie Daly Cup squad when I uh, watched the games there and yes he's the older brother of Miles Martin and I think he had in my opinion, he was he was one of the most consistent forwards for Patrician Brothers Blacktown during the Schoolboy Cup. I really like the the. How can I put it? I think he plays a really tidy game as a forward. He mm. he just seems to be around the ball doing brick, everything. Brick and mortar players, mate. You need them, teams, yes. don't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I really like what he produced during that Schoolboy Cup, and I think he's got a bit to offer. I think he's got a bit to offer above that um, Laurie Daly Cup level that he was at last year. So I'm pleased to see him named in the SG ball. I'm also I'm also noting, uh, I've been told some good things about Keelan Bray, who was a name that was relatively new to me. Uh, he's also a halfback. And um, I've been told that it's, he's had an incredible dedication to forcing his way into the squad. So... I've been told to keep an eye out on him as well. There you well. go. There's, so, there's the first name to there's, there's out of the blue him. to jot down, Keelan Bray. Because that was one I was looking at going, I have absolutely no <laughs> yeah. idea. New, new he, name, no real. Nowhere. Yeah. I think he's come through the uh, local, he's a local footballer. And just forced he, his way in. Love to see it. Yeah. 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 Now, so, yeah, as I said, uh, dedication there. So, and of course, uh, there's a couple of names that are very familiar to uh, all of us. Uh, Taylor Mawala, he's he's been uh, someone that we followed through from the mats. Yeah, and, big, big uh, robust uh, yeah. forward. Yes, and uh, and Josh Chapel, who comes via Queensland, uh, who's also was we were probably expecting uh, to see a little bit more of him last year. I I think that. They did struggle the SG ball last year, and I think if you've got the the uh, the team struggling, it's very hard for the halfback to yes, shine. Yes, that, that that is a fair so, point. And you know he came; he was coming into a new system with not that much uh, time under his belt uh, in terms of uh, familiarising himself in the Parramatta systems. Um, and yeah, so the, the boys didn't have the greatest season across the six games they played; only three wins um, and a bye, so they were under five hundred uh, in terms of percentages. But, yeah, definitely something to build on. Um, but like you said, there's some returning names there that sort of catch the eye. You've already mentioned Taylor. Um, big Larry Mwaka-Tutia had a great schoolboys campaign, um, and he's a big rumbling prop forward, good engine, bit of an offload. He'll probably be one of the uh, starting props there, and I think that a lot of the uh, impact in the middle will sort of start and end with him. Um, but the other player that had a surprising schoolboys um, campaign this year that really jumped off the page, and he, you know he's been sold for the Eels in the past, but... Hadn't you know really stand, um, starred for me was Vlado Yankovic. I thought it was really oh, good, yes. really good in the schoolboys. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I did I I have had it, I have got him noted down as as someone that I wanted to talk about as well because yeah he was I thought I thought that was some of the best play that I'd seen from him at that schoolboy cup level. He was a constant danger. Out yeah, he was a, yeah. A, a pest. Like his running was just. 
the way the timing of his runs when he picked out markers was just very, and especially after um, uh, also another Parramatta junior who'll be talking about later, Caleb Tohi. Oh yeah, Caleb would do a lot, lost run. to it with Caleb, yeah. And yeah. Vlado, uh, not yeah, Vlado would just uh, top that off with a, you know a good fifteen meter run there, or even you know just engaging the markers. I thought yeah, it was really smart hooker play. Yeah, both of those boys, even though they were in the losing Westfield Sports High team, they could really hold their heads high after that mm-hmm. final because I thought I thought they were two of the best players on the field. And they were awesome in the week before to qualify yeah. for the, the grand final in a really back-and-forth game. Um, they, they helped Westfields get over the top and, and book that spot in the big dance. So, yeah, two, two boys there that had a, a really strong campaign. We'll get to Caleb in a second. Um, and the other player that I'm sort of interested to see how he develops this year is Gabriel Kalache, who's been in the system for quite some time and has always flashed a bit of talent. But he's sort of been the guy that's he was involved with some of the, the really good te- like the players that aren't in this team right now, and he's always been the guy who's sort of left behind because he's just a year younger. So I'm looking to see if he can sort of stamp his um authority on this team in the halves, or he could end up in the centres too, I suppose, Ham. But uh, he's a very versatile backline player, and he's got a bit of talent. Yeah, he reminds me of a bit of um, the year above Sam Luizu. Mm, that's a good comparison. Half. Yeah. Um, just a big body, you know, bit bit undersized, but probably due to age. Um, still fast, decent enough ball skills. Um, but yeah, could you know, it's really weird. You could probably just as easily fill in at second row, five eighth or centre. That's a sort of that's where I. He's a bit yeah. He's a bit of a, an odd one. Um, but yeah, you know this. The spine combinations of this team will be very interesting coming up to next year. You know, you talk about Vlada Jankovic. I don't. You can't forget Bailey Nuruddin, who was a very, very good hooker for um, Patrician Brothers, who did his job well of just getting the ball uh, to his halves, but also bringing his forwards onto the ball. And then, obviously, not to forget Drew Lloyd, who was also at that, yeah. um, Hill Sports High team, who made the. Uh, semi-finals there. So three out of the four um, schoolboys teams that made the semi-finals were their hookers were all Eels players. So um, there's a big, there's a big, a lot of competition for that number nine spot in mm-hmm. this team. Um, you know, finding out Keelan Bray um, is a half. Then you've got, uh, as we said, Jabril Kalachi, um, Josh Chapel. I know Keanu Wright Don Robin, who's down from Queensland, is a half. So there's, there's and, um, some options. Deals. We didn't talk about it, but Jock Brazel and Max Tupo are both pretty solid back rowers. Can do a bit of damage out wide. So it's a team that... It's it's, yeah, it's, it's, got a, it's got a bit of upside. I'll, I'll kick off the prediction and say that if they make the finals and go at least one game to the finals, uh, one win into the finals, they've done really well. I think that's uh, probably punching above their weight, given what they could have at the helm there. But in saying that, um, if they catch fire, there's a bit of talent in this team still. And if they, you know, just once again, solidify the rock, play good fundamental football through the middle, don't make too many mistakes, they'll give themselves a shot most weeks. Just Can I just get your thoughts? Because you, we talked about the spine. Who plays fullback from this team? Freeman Forsyth has moonlighted at fullback a couple of times there. He's got a bit of utility value throughout the back line. So I think... Uh, Jalen DeGroote, who we've brought down from the Northern Rivers Titans. That, yes, and so he was the, a recruit from the, and the Laurie Daly, I believe. Um, so he's probably going to be fighting it out with Forsyth. But there could be, I mean, there could be something uh, that we're missing here. Knight also played uh, fullback f- a couple of times 
last year in the Harold Matthews mm. and uh, for Westfield Sports High in round one of the... Um, yeah, so the, there's options there. Yeah, I was just... I'm, I very much agree with you there, Forty. I think if, if the team features in the finals, that they can feel very pleased with themselves because of the fact that they are going to be missing players that are eligible for the for this uh, for this age group but will obviously be playing higher possibly even as high as Canterbury Cup some of the yeah. players that are that are missing from Quite this possibly. under 19's team so i think it's i think that's a good place to aim as finals football for them and i'm i am really curious for for something around that same area that Hamish mentioned, which is that dummy half area. I think I think that is outstanding competition for the dummy half position to have three young players who will be very capable of providing not just good service, but in the certainly in the case of Vlado Jankovic, that it's he really does engage that defence, and uh, it, it, it could they could surprise us. They could surprise us. All right, Ham, you see sort of a top eight finish as a good start for these boys or you got higher aspirations? Um, I actually think they could finish top four. You know, I'm not sure about what other squads are looking like. I just think with the growth of those dummy halves, which is it's such an important position, the fact that we've got, you know, three players who I don't, it, it wouldn't bother me who they picked in the starting 17 here. I'd be happy with all three of them. Um, in fact, could we put all three in one jersey is what I'm wondering. Uh, <laughs> um, make a number 27. Uh, you know, if you put any of those players in, I think it's, it's a hard-working forward pack. I think it's a bit of the opposite of um, a bit of the opposite of the Harold Matthews. I think the forward pack is settled. I think there's, you know, Blake Martin, we've mentioned obviously before, David, David Lungy, um, what have you, Jock Brazel. It's just the backs. I'm just... I'm, not a hundred percent sure on um, what the backs will be producing um, in this grade, but I think the forward pack uh, can lay a very solid foundation there. And um, you know, if the dummy halves can play off the back of that, I, I actually think this team could be a, a top four squad. There you go. Ham's going big, and he's not going to go home. I don't think so. He's back no, in the. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, <laughs> I'll go deep into the. Finals. No, but they're going to equip themselves well. It's going to be. Yeah. You know, and in these grades, it all depends on the strength of draw, which is... Yeah, strength of draw, um, you know, injuries obviously are always crucial. You lose a couple of spine players and you're really, you know, unless it's maybe at hooker where we've got that depth we're talking about, you're sort of, you're digging your own grave there. But um, you can't really control that, can't you? So, no, and in a nine-round competition, you have to hit the ground there's, there's very little room for error. Yeah, your margin of error is so thin when you're playing just nine rounds before you head into sudden death football. Alrighty, so a few years back, Parramatta in the SG ball only missed out on uh, finals by like un- under ten points difference. And then it turned out that there was a counting error in the four and against, yeah. and the Eels should have been in the finals. Yes, that was twenty eighteen, I believe, where we sort of tanked most of the season, and we should have still scraped our way into the finals. So yeah, it's a good good bit of trivia there for fans listening to the podcast. But yeah, <laughs> a funny one that came at our expense. And that will be a wrap for episode one of this collaborative podcast previewing the Parramatta Juniors in 2021. Stay tuned for episode two where we talk Jersey Flag as well as any exciting young talent in the top 30 or on a development deal at the club. Thanks, guys. Catch you later.